The following presentation has been prepared by the Video Tax News team for Canadian tax and financial professionals. Program recorded May 26, 2022. Enjoy! Welcome to the June edition of Life in the Tax Lane. Joe, you're looking spiffy today. <laughs> Thanks, Caitlin. It's summertime. Speaking of spiffy, congratulations on your enrollment in your Executive Women's Style <laughs> Camp. Is that, is that what it is? <laughs> it's Style Camp, Joe. You know, I need all the help I can get. I'm starting with a low bar as an accountant. Working well, you look with you. That's where <laughs> I get my inspiration from. Oh, like don't look like him? Anyways, Caitlin, <laughs> congratulations on your style. You look fantastic today. Thank uh, you. Let's talk about tax though. Let's go. All right. So first off, last month we mentioned that the 2022 federal budget was tabled. We referenced that there was the proposed two-year ban on residential real estate purposes by essentially non-resident, non-Canadian entities. Well, this month, we have the first budget bill, which provides a bit more details on some of those provisions from the federal budget, including this two-year ban. And when we dug into the legislation here, we're actually a little bit surprised by some of the items here related to this ban. First off, you might be thinking, okay, I'm not a non-resident. I'm not going to be impacted by this. But if you are advising a non-resident that you know shouldn't be purchasing property and you counsel them, abet them, anything like that, you as an advisor could be held liable for a fine of up to $10,000. And that extends beyond just advising to attempting to advise these non-resident, non-Canadian individuals, entities. Also, if you're a corporation advising uh, these non-residents, there's actually provision which would look through the corporation to the individuals involved in the corporation to hold them personally liable. Uh, so definitely um, interesting provisions related to, related to this uh, foreign buyer's ban on residential real estate. Now, Caitlin, one of the other uh, topics that uh, that is very tied to this or similar is uh, this underused foreign underused housing tax, oh. uh, foreign owners underused housing tax. Now, this is also in legislation which has not received royal assent yet, but if it does, uh, it would be effective January 1, 2022. So already, you know, it, it could potentially impact us. Now, there was a great article in Canadian Tax Focus, and Hugh Nielsen, who's usually with us, uh, actually wrote a piece in that article. Mm -hmm. He's, by the way, on vacation in Atlantic Canada, visiting the Summerside Tax Office, probably. <laughs> His Taking poor a wife and kid. <laughs> <laughs> I know. <laughs> Anyways, um, so, uh, so so this tax, there's a couple of things about it, and this article touches on some of the issues we need to watch out for. And one of them is uh, you have to actually file returns unless basically every owner of a residential property in, you know, in Canada has to file a return unless you're an excluded owner. <laughs> excluded owners are Canadian citizens, permanent residents, so so that takes a lot of individuals uh, you know, out of the realm here. But also the other exclusion is public corporations. The problem is most of us have uh, clients that have a private corporation, CCPCs. Well, guess what? They own any kind of residential property. They're filing a return here. Now, they might not have to pay tax. They might have an exclusion or an exemption from tax as long as they have that less than 10% foreign ownership there. But they still have to file these returns. And, you know, we do tax returns for, for entities that have year ends, you know, midway through the year. When are these returns due? 
Well, they're due basically four months after the calendar year. We might not see them in time to file this. So this is going to be more in their hands to get it filed. So we got we got to watch out for that. And there's a number, no, number of other traps as well to watch out for. Check out the mm-hmm. article. Mm-hmm. Uh, another item we wanted to talk about, this is a little bit of good news, however. We have, or you may have heard about uh, certain interest-free uh, loans that you could get in respect of Macy making your home, your personal property, a little bit greener under the Canada Greener Homes Initiative. So what we had this month was a technical interpretation looking at whether there was some type of taxable component to this loan because it was interest or they are interest free. Sierra says, no, no taxable component or using this land, this loan, pardon me, for personal purposes. If, however, on the other hand, you're incurring costs associated with this personal loan, uh, maybe you default on the loan, there's default costs, admin costs, those kind of things, those costs would not be deductible to the individual here. So basically applying base existing rules onto kind of a newer type of loan that we're seeing out there. And it looks like this loan should be available imminently. So keep your eyes open for that. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Now, the next thing, we got to stay on this home topic. Uh, We have another case of an individual who sold a home. CRA says, you sold it on account of income, so you have to pay full tax on it. He says, no, it's a a capital property here. And I want to use the principal residence exemption. No tax at all. So which is it between the two of them? Well, in this case, the individual actually was a realtor. Um, He did sell three homes over a six-year period. Now, he wasn't a realtor originally. In fact, one of the houses he sold, he did it so he could move in with his parents and get the realtor's license. Um, The two other sales, well, occurred because of relationship breakdowns. You're going to live with this person, relationship breakdown, I don't want the house anymore, that kind of thing. So now we're dealing with just the third home here that had $153,000 gain on it. So you want to make sure you get this one right. Capital gains, you're thinking, oh man, that's a number of houses in a short time. The person's a realtor here. The mortgage was a five-year mortgage, but was amortized over 25 years. So a lot of indications that it was, uh, you know, something done just for profit. However, in this situation, he actually got one of his ex-girlfriends. So one of the ones that, you know, there's a relationship breakdown and that's why he had to move, actually testify saying, yeah, our full intention for this house was to actually live here, make it our permanent home, have our kids, but that didn't turn out. So there truly was a frustration of intention. And when you can have that third party support with it from somebody who you, you had a dispute with at some point anyways, that's pretty strong evidence. And uh, that actually ended up uh, helping him out and winning the case for him. So it was basically a capital property. And you know, one of the other things too that was noted was that uh, Uh, He did customize the house for his preferences. So he had the office for the realty business and a couple of things like that, Mm -hmm. too. So interesting case to look at. Mm -hmm. I like this one because one of the big strong factors we see in other cases, you're a realtor, you're in this industry. And notwithstanding that fact, he was still able to demonstrate his original intention was frustrated. You got it. Caitlin, All right. what's next? Yep. Okay, let's move on to some COVID matters. Uh, let's talk about these wage subsidies, rent subsidies, the CRIP program. Since the beginning of the pandemic, there was no legislative authority for CRA to accept these late applications beyond the fixed deadline. We saw a little bit of administrative wriggle room, but that appeared to be outside uh, the, the legislation. Well, what we have now is a proposal in Bill C-19, 
has not yet received royal assent as of shoot date, but it would basically provide CRA the legislative authority to accept these late applications beyond that fixed deadline. And this proposal is retroactive effectively to the beginning of the pandemic. So a little bit of good news there if this in fact passes. Now, Caitlin, one of the other items that I wanted to mention, Bill C-19 also included a provision which would allow um, basically the operators of the SEBA program, so that was that forty up to $60,000 of mm. loans to small businesses primarily, uh, to pass on information about those borrowers to the CRA so that CRA could start collection activity in, in, in respect of them. So, you know, very interesting that we've got this provision in there. I don't know what else needs to be in place to actually allow CRA to start collecting in this manner, but it looks like CRA is now going to be involved in this. Previously, they were not. So keeping our eyes open uh, for that. Yeah, let's talk about some of these programs. I wanted to focus in on the Canada Recovery Benefit. We had a really interesting case this month uh, where we had an individual who was a taxi driver. He applied for CRB. CRA said no. Uh, and now we're at the courts in a judicial review with CRA's decision reasonable. So what happened here? Taxi driver, when the pandemic first hit, uh, had medical conditions, said, I don't want to rent the taxi cab off operate the taxi right now, but he planned to go and operate a little bit later. However, that little bit later never ended up happening because his other colleagues, the other taxi driver said, listen, there are no customers out there anymore, at least no customers flagging the cab down. Um, so you're not going to make any money driving your taxi. And on that basis, he didn't return to work and uh, applied for the CRB. Well, CRA said, you know what, you didn't work for your own reasons, you voluntarily stopped working and they focused on the medical side, no medical letter. The court, however, said, listen, if the industry was at such a place that you couldn't make a profit by operating your taxi, well, it seems that's a pretty possible reason that you're not going to work due to COVID. And you know what the court said? CRA's decision, that is unreasonable. Go send that file back to CRA for another agent to look at it. Well, that's all the time that we've got for today. Thank you very much. If you have any suggestions for topics, send it over. The Video Tax News team has been providing Canadian accounting professionals with practical tax information for over 40 years. Subscribe to one of our tax newsletters or join us as we present live and pre-recorded seminars relating to both personal and corporate tax. For more information, go to videotax.com. The preceding information is for general information purposes only and deals with dynamic, time-sensitive, and complex matters that may not apply to particular facts or circumstances. Information provided should not be relied upon as a substitute for specialized professional advice in connection with any particular matter. For more information, go to videotax.com slash disclaimer. Copyright Video Tax News, Inc. 2022. All rights reserved.